the stage was a, a, a life size, like a scale one to one, but the um, the models were mice. They were little white mice, and we made clothes to, to fit them from, from the actual collection. So we adapted pieces to fit these mice. And um, so instead of Moschino, we made it Moschino. <laughs> I love a good pun. <laughs> Welcome to Ciao Bella, hosted by me, Erica Firpo, a travel journalist based in Rome. Each episode of Ciao Bella, I sit down with Italy's creators, contemporary artists and artisans, designers, culinary experts, heritage brands, and innovative estites, and more who are defining and redefining 21st century Italy. Pull up a chair and join in. Hey, welcome back to Ciao Bella. Today I'm in Milan at the studio of Joanne Tan or the Joanne Tan Studio, and I'm, I'm so flattered to be in your presence today. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you, thank you. I'm really pleased to meet you. Well, I want to share with everyone, I'll briefly explain who you are, but I really, I want you to share your story, which is, um, Joanne is, is an art director, a creator of visuals, I guess is how I, I would describe you. How would you describe you? Um, usually I describe myself as a window display designer, that's quite a specific description and not everybody knows what that means but what I do is I kind of do a stage for, for clothing and products in, in shop windows. Yeah, it's like theater to me. Yeah, it is, it is staging for products and that means that usually I create like a whole kind of world to, in which you can enter and kind of what maybe is the inspiration behind the product, or what um, what story it has to tell? We know it's. I think that's. A, a, you know, I'm so happy you, you encapsulated it that way because I think that's exactly what I was feeling without being able to put it into words when um, I went to JJ Martin's store by Double J, and I was looking at the windows, and I was looking, and actually, I. It's also I think you create her windows. You, you're constantly changing them as well. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I've changed them every three months. And I was like, and I, and I would see that on Instagram, and I was like, I would, I, I was like, this is. I felt every time I looked at the window, and when I was there in person, that I had a glimpse into kind of JJ's mind and her world. And it was through these creations that, and, and this whole, because it's not just the pieces; it's how they're put together and, and this set that you've created. Yeah, I often think of myself as a ghostwriter. Because um, you know I do have a voice, but I'm also in, in terms of my personality, I'm very back office maybe. So maybe that's why this kind of work works for me because I I'm basically telling somebody else's story. I mean, even a ghostwriter would have their writing style, but they're there to help bring the story out. Exactly. It's like behind the scenes, you're, but yeah, I, mean, I, it, it, I think that's actually, that's really interesting, a ghostwriter visually. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, about your background because, you know, you have, you're from Malaysia, you grew up in Malaysia. Yeah, um, and I um, wanted to study art, which is kind of not that normal in kind of an Asian society. It's quite hard to convince your parents that you do not want to be a doctor or a lawyer. Well, um, my parents were quite open to it, but I 
actually what happened was then I needed to find a school which would let me explore what kind of artist I wanted to be. And actually the program at the School of the Arts Institution was really appropriate for that because you just needed to earn your credit hours, but you could do it in any field you wanted to, so you didn't have to kind of declare a major. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, at least in the undergraduate program is like that. Was it a BFA? It was a BFA, yeah. So you could kind of really explore, you know, you didn't have to say, okay, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be a painter. You had to do everything. So I actually studied, um, started to become quite focused on cartoon animation. And, um, but I was also interested in crafting, which kind of led me to fashion. So this was in the, in the early 90s, right? Early 90s, yeah. And, uh, and so what happened was... Did they even call it crafting in the early 90s? I don't know. <laughs> I, feel like they, I feel like that's like, like I don't know. I, I'm not sure, but I wanted to do something with my hands. hands. Exactly. I love making stuff. So, um, so I kind of got stuck with my film because I'd spent a whole year drawing and I ended up with like 30 seconds. So that wasn't... Oh, for animation, yeah. Yes, it wasn't gratifying enough. So it's like, okay, I think I'm going to sew for a little while. So I ended up um, taking some courses in fashion. And when I finished, I was kind of quite focused on that. So I decided that I would look for an internship somewhere. And um, at the time, I was really quite fascinated by Moschino and how it wasn't... Um, it was fashion, but it was also communication. So I wanted to know more about what was happening and how this came about. And wanted to spend some time there. And there was another um, graduate from my school who was already working there, Bill Shapiro, an American. I think he's back there again. Um, and so he introduced me. And managed to get an internship at Moschino. In Milan? In Milan in 1994. So, what was Milan like in the 90s? It was really, really, really tough for a foreigner in the 90s. I found it, um, I didn't speak any Italian. I found that very few people spoke English. And it was um, very homogenous, I think is the word. Like it was just very Italian. So as a foreigner who maybe wanted to um, eat Malaysian food. I, I bet there wasn't any. There wasn't any, and, or wanted to maybe, you know, just um, feel at home in some way. It, it wasn't possible. But in that way, maybe I was forced to kind of integrate myself into Italian society quicker. Wow. But I mean, it was much less international. Yeah, because I mean, it was. I I, I know that um, you know, Milan has drastically transformed, and it's you know on the on the world stage. But in the '90s, Rome was really, you know, tra virgolette in, in quotes international compared. To, Milan had fashion, yes, there was, and, and the finance, yeah. but but as far as like the community, it was a little more closed. And yeah, and a little I would say it was also like a, maybe a design community of foreigners and we kind of stuck together which is probably not that healthy because we weren't integrating with other Italians um, but I think that's vastly improved now it, you know Milan is very international and 
do at home and therefore less frightening to kind of explore. Now you, so you did an internship yes, I, in the um, art department? Uh, in the fashion department. In, fashion department. in, in the fashion department, um, specifically with um, a line called Cheap and Chic, which no, oh, longer yeah. Exists, I remember she, yeah. which no longer exists. So I was supposed to be here for three months. So um, basically May, June, July, and then there was the August vacation. So I was supposed to leave after that. Um, my mom lives in Copenhagen, so the idea was that I would finish and then I would go and join in Copenhagen and figure out the rest of my life. But um, You were 21, right? I was 21. Wow. And, um, but after I finished the three months, they asked if I would be interested in staying a little bit longer, like another six months, which I did. So I did another six months. Now, when you say you were in the fashion department, were you within, fashion, within the design department, or...? I was designing clothing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was like um, an assistant clothing designer, I would say. Um, so I did um, the internship, which turned into a longer internship, which then became an assistant's position. So I did that until 1999, I would say, when they decided to offer me the head designer position of that line. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah, so I, I didn't do that for a very long time because before I knew they were going to offer me that position, I became interested in, in the shop windows because I was interested in installation art. And I could see how the two worlds could come together, especially in that window at Moschino, because it was like a three meter by three meter space that was like four meters tall. So it was basically a box. And I started, while I was thinking of ideas for clothing and doing research, finding a lot of ideas that I thought could become like interesting window displays. So I spoke to the creator at Moschino at the time, which was Rosalia Jardim, and I said, you know, how would you feel if I did that? Um, wow. Did the window displays? And she said, well, you know, why don't you do a proposal and then we'll talk about it. So while they were maybe behind the scenes discussing that I could take over designing the line as head designer, I was thinking I was going to become like their window designer. So I came up with a project and I showed it to her. She said, sure, okay, you can do this now. So, um, I remember that roughly at that time, wasn't that like the apex of like the, the windows at Barney's with Simon Dunan? Exactly, yes. Um, so, uh, I would say that the window displays I did at that time were probably more minimal than the work that I did do today. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, I was just starting to explore it as a medium and it was really amazing to be able to explore it in such a public and I, I would think, I mean, it's like you're, you're bringing in so many different contexts because I guess, you know, it's no longer, I know fashion is three-dimensional, but you're thinking three-dimensional in a different sense. Yes. And then you're thinking not just for, you know, for fashion. I mean, this is like people walking down the street. This is for anyone to walk by. So you're creating these three-dimensional installation worlds. Exactly. It's kind of like public art. And there was also yeah. like a very big history behind because, you know, Franco and Moschino's windows were famous and also not necessarily um, showing any product either, you know, I mean, it was a very famous one he did where he just put a little nativity scene on the floor and that was, that, that was, was it. it, that was his Christmas window. <laughs> yes, it was, you know, there was also some big shoes to fill and, um, and also I was fortunate there was a certain amount of 
budget to experiment with as well, so I wasn't limited even in that sense. Like, although at that time I was really naive, I had no idea how fortunate I was. It was just like, oh, I'm doing this thing, it's great. Wow. Um, Were you, when you started doing uh, the window design, the window staging, the window sets, um, was it only for Milan? Or with, with, like, in, with a brand like that, does that get duplicated in other places? Yeah, I think it was it, um, it was Milan Sant'Andrea and also the store in Via Dorini, which is now the B&B store. Um, and so there was basically two designs, and, and they would get replicated. So I would, base, I would do the first one, and then depending on the shape of the window of the store, like the store in New York, would kind of copy the store in San Andrea because of the dimension of the right. window. Whereas maybe like a, a jeans store in Rome would follow the Viadorini window. So they were replicated, but obviously on a smaller scale. And, um, so the main theater was Milan? Yeah, the main theater was Milan. And then we would do like three or four reproductions that we kind of brought to the other so locations. So you where had a design for Chief and Chic, and then all of a sudden, then, then he transformed into art director, or? Actually, I was doing both simultaneously for about a year and a half. I remember I did three seasons as head designer of, of Chief and Chic, but I was basically working night and day. I couldn't <laughs> Those were two full-time jobs. And so I, after three seasons, I, I, I went back to my creative director and I said, you know, I think I'm going to have to make a choice here because I don't think I can keep this up. And she said, so what do you want to do? And it was a hard choice because, you know, when you start off as a young fashion designer, starry eye, the goal is to become head designer. And, but I, at that time, I, I really had to ask myself what I was more excited about doing. And, um, and I chose to continue with this window display um, design route. It was kind of, there wasn't a clear path for where that was going, but I enjoyed the process a lot. I liked that it included um, the possibility to continue working with my hands, so. What are some of your favorite window designs that you did for Moschino? I always think of two. Um, one was this little um, little fashion show um, where the stage was a, a, a life size, like a scale one to one, but the um, the models were mice. They were little white mice, and we made clothes to, to fit them from from the actual collection. So we adapted pieces to fit these mice, and. Um, so instead of Moschino, we made it Mouskino. <laughs> I love a good pun. Uh, and that, to me, still remains go. Mainly because I, I like that um, it was, I felt like got the humor right. Um, and also just the kind of process of making the mice was so enjoyable. So you're making everything yourself, I guess. Yeah, no, these are a bit bigger than the ones that, that we made from Moschino, but yeah, I, um, I became fascinated by, by Flock at that time. Flock is this kind of, uh, it's like short velvet hairs that ah. you, um, you find maybe on like hangers of clothing or the inside of suitcases. 
also dashboard of cars. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, it's there's um there's a gun that you put this material in, and it um you uh, switch it on, and it kind of shoots it out at right angles, so everything comes out straight, and it attaches to the surface that you've applied glued on. So I was thinking like, oh, you know, what can we do with this stuff? And uh, the first thing I made with mice, and one day, I still have this in my head, I'd like to do something that um, they use to make mold, you know, because if you have it in the right color, it really looks like mold. Oh, that could be actually pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, no client has said yes to a mold project. I mean, JJ? <laughs> well, maybe JJ. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like that might be in the future somewhere. Moldy for vegetable installation. Oh my god, like, that would be like, you know, like those paintings of Caravaggio, so it has like that series of like portraits of the boy with the fruit, and then you start yeah. looking and you see that they're like molding and yeah. kind of over the right, like kind of playing on that decadent idea. Yeah, so maybe one day. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Um, I would like to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be first person. I like <laughs> So, so you were, I think I read that you were with Moschino until 2010, or is that? Actually, I, um, I worked full time there until 2010, but I continued until 2013. I did another three years as a free, freelancer, as a consultant. Um, and, and I left because Rosella left. Okay. And, um, you know, my, uh, she, I always saw her as, um, and almost a mother figure. <laughs> and when I left Moschino to try other things in 2010, it wasn't my attachment to her that made me continue to work as an external consultant. So when she left, I felt like, okay, well now, now it's really time to go. Did you, was that when you started Joanne's town studio on your own? I started that in 2010. In 2010, I had just finished Mazan Moschino, which is a hotel. I love it, Moschino. It's those paper lanterns I made as, 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 as prototypes for the entrance when it was like full of clouds. And so some clouds are taking shapes of animals. I like how they're like, I don't, they're so geometric, like kind of like, like almost like a geodome, you know? Those yeah, yeah, it's made with the same kind of tessellated. They're really cool. I will also, I have to say, and I want to talk to you about this in a second, but because I want to know more about going from in-house to, I mean, because that's a big leap also to go from in-house to, yeah. to your own studio. I think it was just a, a, a happy coincidence, I guess, because when I finished the, the hotel, I thought, okay, I've been here for, at that point, 16 slash 17, going 17 years, and I thought, okay, I think I need to try something else. <laughs> not because I'm not happy here, but uh, I need to see what it's like to work for other people and other brands and do other things. And I thought to myself, the first thing that comes, I'm gonna take it, no matter what. Um, and the first thing that came through was to take to, to design and produce the windows for a big department store in Stockholm called Modisco Companiet. Is that the one that's NK? Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's like um, the equivalent of a Harrods or Inishente, but for Stockholm. Um, how did they find you? Um, I had 
some friends here who often came for like design week and there was um, when actually that's also the interesting thing when I finished with Mozan Moschino we were looking for somebody to help design like the digital communication part and I had like recently had dinner with a friend that had um, a studio that was quite specialized in that in Stockholm so I asked him if he would be interested in, in doing that job and so we worked together for this short project and he was actually the person um, who brought me into this project for, for the windows at NK and um, yes it was just kind of like a weird little <laughs> give and take right yeah and um, and at some point it, but it was so different from what he did he, he stepped back and um, and uh, his business partner at that time Selena, became my business partner so it was like this weird oh, really? like, yeah and she still is my business partner to get today because she she was um, the person who kind of project managed that whole um, client and then and then we kind of decided, okay, well, you know, this is just something else, so we'll we'll take it forward together. So she's my business partner today. And actually this year I dropped working, dropped NK as a client. What are some of the clients that our listeners may have seen, aside from Mosquito, aside from NK? I know there's Hermes. Yeah, um, um, I worked for Gucci when um, Peter Dundas was there. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, not a lot of projects, but I've done a couple of projects for them. Well, I think this is what I mean when I, you know, when I, so when I was looking, I remember I, I, um, I was in my double J when there was this big owl, and I was kind of oh. fascinated. Actually, you guys were taking down the owl. Oh, okay. And I was staring at it, because I, I loved how it was like little tiny pieces of colored paper, like it was huge. Yeah, it was but I couldn't put the craftsmanship because it had, I mean, you could see like the hours of labor to create that. <laughs> and, um, and I was looking at it and then, um, and I was looking at some other things and I, and then I, and I was like, and I, and I looked at your name and I started thinking, so I went on your website and I, I did a deep dive research and I was like, oh, and I started, I started to see, I was like, that's so interesting because I've seen what she's done for Gucci, I know what she's done for us. Like all, all of a sudden my mind was like a collage of images of the work that you've done and I think it's, you know, inadvertently, we're not inadvertently, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, you know, you've, you've been in my visual panorama, your windows have been in my visual panorama and probably a lot of people's without, you know, very, without us knowing that it was you, it's been fascinating, you know? And, and then when you start to piece it together, you're like, oh wow, like you, I, I start to get your world in a weird way. That's, that's really, really nice to hear. I, I think probably you've seen uh, when, when, um, the, when they reopened the Fendi store in Rome, I did those windows. Yep. There were these hands made beauty, so there were these giant hands. I remember that. And also suitcases where I kind of made these paper portraits of all the sisters. You, do, you, do you work a lot in paper? I do work a lot in paper. and. Um, when you asked me what my favorite projects were for Moschino, the one was the Moschino window, and then another one I did, which um, is really important to me as well, because it sort of led me on this paper craft rabbit hole, I would say. I wanted to do an Alice of Wonderland window with the Queen of Hearts, um, 
and I decided that the Queen of Hearts and her soldiers were going to be made entirely out of paper. And um, so I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? You know, and I just decided I'm going to try and make this face in paper and see if I can do it, but not knowing at all if I could or could not. <laughs> and realized, okay, I, I can do this. I can make, I can make things out of paper, and it's just become like a real passion of mine. Yeah. I mean, you can see, you can see that you really love it in the creations. I'll say just the, the detail of them. Like for me, I love it. I actually really, really love paper. Yeah, yeah. I, I love paper. It's so light. Um, it's so flexible. It's um, you can do it on your kitchen table. You know, and it's it's an inexpensive material that you can really you know build into something huge. I mean, in the end, paper is wood. You know, so if you if you layer it up enough, you can really make something it's super strong. Yeah, and one of the funny things about these paper creations is often they seem like they might be really delicate, but I've learned like when transporting them or bringing yeah. them back and forth, that, um, they're actually not as delicate as. Of course, you, you know you can't sit on one. Right, you can't hit per se. Yeah, <laughs> but you can put it in a box and take it places. You know, and it doesn't get that. So tell me a little bit about working in Italy. Are you working with Italian like artisans? Are you working with um, you know? Are you have collaborations with like historic? Or, I don't know if this is the you know. I I, I know that like, you know what's amazing about Italy is there's so many incredible. There's so much quality material. Yeah, there's quality material, and there are really some. Um, how would I describe it? But there are some expert craftsmen here who are really a living treasure that I really don't know what's going to happen when the, this whole kind of generation retires, which has already started to happen. I mean, every time somebody brings up the subject, I talk about this man, or metalsmith, his name is Luciano Longoni, and he um, made all the metal structures for the headdresses for La Scala. And it's something completely hidden. You don't see it um, because usually after his part is done, it's then covered in fabric and beads and blah blah. blah. But the, the line work behind that is is really um, amazing. And um, he went. To, he he's retired now. And um, but every once in a while, I kind of like poke him out of his cave so that he would make a structure for me. Anyway, as we were saying, I think there is um, there is a whole, as I would say, generation of master craftsmen um, that are really a privilege to work with. And I think one of the things also about working in Italy, and I've noticed the difference as I have worked with um, craftsmen in, in other countries as well, is there is a kind of mental flexibility and a willing to try something completely new here, you know, in, in Italy, like the, the whole, you know, the, the Italian mindset may lead to like, you know, buses never being on time, <laughs> and, and like, and long, long lines at the post office, but it, it's also this kind of openness and a willingness to, to not follow a certain type of 
in the box in organized thinking that lets you be very uh, that lets you experiment you know like they don't just you, sh you can show them something new and they don't just go say no I'm not, this is not what I do you know I apply flock to suitcases so I'm not gonna flock your you know giant fruit for you <laughs> I love hearing that. That makes me feel really, really happy to hear that. Because um, I think you know, there are some stereotypes that you know, there's an inflexibility to, because of tradition. But you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of flexibility and open-mindedness that people. It, it's it, you have to pass get past the surface. I think. Yeah, and you have to show them respect too. Of course, yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, they're just not this like noisy fashion person coming in here asking me to do something. Flat my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, um, what projects do you have, if you can share, if you can give us a little hint in upcoming projects that we can look for? Well, I'm doing something new for JJ for her windows. I'm very excited about that. I'm like, excited about working with her in particular because it's, uh, as, as I've said, I'm, I'm the ghostwriter for for the stories of other people. Her story is just wild and wacky and really fun. I'm also, um, on the other end of the spectrum, I work, currently working for Malextra, which is... Oh, um, is it the luggage, correct? Yes, um, and handbags. And handbags, yeah. yes, handbags, exactly. Yeah, um, but also luggage. Um, and that's uh, a different world, um, but also very nice collaboration, very open um, dialogue between Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm doing well. The thing is, with them, with that particular project, um, I design first, and then she allocates to the different where, where she, the country she wants to put it in. So I'm not sure it's going to be France the next time. Okay, well we're all gonna look. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be on the lookout. I'll be texting you. Um, <laughs> um, so in. Just so that my listeners uh, know what to do when they next come to Milan, you have to walk down to JJ's shop, which is on, it's on Via San Andrea? It's on Via San Andrea. Um, and I, um, she, she is absolutely my dream client. <laughs> I don't know if she's going to hear this, but she already knows. She, and, ah, that's... Um, we, we have such a great connection, and, and um, it's just like we're just on the same. I feel like you feel the kinetic energy when you're looking at the windows. Yeah. You know, you feel, you feel I don't know, I, I feel it. I love just standing outside, especially at dusk when the lights come on and then the windows start to glow too. Yeah, because I feel like um, while I'm, uh, you know, I'm the voice for somebody else, when I work with JJ, I feel like our voices are very similar, you know, so I just feel like completely at home. It's very symbiotic. Um, it's very symbiotic. I mean, we are both interested in the slightly weird as well. So, you know, that, that comes comes through because, you know, I, I like things that are a little bit bizarre and so does she. And I'm finally allowed, like you said, I might be able to do my mold window. <laughs> I really, I really do think I, I really think it's a possibility. Um, you know, I was on your site and I saw that on your site there are some pieces of yours that people could acquire. Is that, is that still happening? It's still happening. We have these cat lamps. Um, oh, yeah, so like the heads of the spotlight almost. Yes, and they're flocked. You know, my fascination with this flocked material. Now I know exactly how they feel. They're furry, yeah. Um, and uh, we, we still, we're still doing that. The only thing is because we're handcrafting everything here, I mean, the prices are mostly unattainable. Anyway, they're there. Well, you know, I think for people who can't, you know, who don't have the opportunity to walk down via San Andrea or walk in the airports, um, you know, we're, we're walking around Stockholm. <laughs> that might be something to take a look at. I know I would. Um, I, uh, I'm so, I'm so excited. I love, I, I, what, what I also really love is that I feel like you brought, you know, there's, we've been at home for two years. Everybody's now like made this transition to doing everything online. It's really nice that you're bringing, like your, your, your windows bring people back outside. Yeah, and I think that's one of the satisfying things about doing window display is that it's it is for everybody, you know. Um, it's nice to to know that um, that literally it's not in any way exclusive. You know, everybody can come and see this. And um, one of the things that um, I sad about not working in Stockholm anymore is that the Christmas windows that I did in Stockholm were very specifically for the children and it was like really nice to, to design like considering their height considering how they would always come back and want to look for some new surprise and um, you know and to kind of get into their kind of mindset of like This is so theatrical because you're thinking of the audience, you're thinking of the space, the three-dimensionality. I think you need to um, 
think it would be great actually uh, if you did that something like Christmas Christmas windows for Rome. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna tell everybody <laughs> because because I, I you know as a kid like windows like Christmas time windows were such a big deal for me and I love the theatrics of Christmas um, displays. I, I would have loved to have seen the windows in Stockholm. So please bring them to Italy. Yeah, I'll try. I'll do my best. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Thank and I can't I can't wait to see the next projects. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao Bella. If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please visit ciaobella.co and click on the podcast link or go directly to ciaobella.co backslash podcast. Want more Italy? You can find all my episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. When you have time, subscribe to iTunes and rate the podcast. What are you waiting for? And if you want to be part of the podcast, email me or DM me your Italy questions. To learn more about me and my work, go to my website, ericafirpo.com, and follow my Italy adventures on Instagram at ericafirpo. Ciao, bella! And a very big thank you and hug to Massimiliano Yonta, the producers of Ciao, Bella, who continue to make me sound and feel great.